Hello and welcome to another episode of Film Seizure. This week we are going to talk about uh, my uh, perceived, or at least what I perceive, as the best film ever made. 1975's One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, directed by Milos Forman. Um, he, uh, well, we got, we got a lot to talk about with that. But um, I am Jeff Arbuckle. I'm Chuck Moore. I am Jason Oliver. And I should mention, this is another quarantine episode, so please forgive any technical audio issues. We are recording via Zoom in um, socially distanced locations. Jason, that's just a nice way of Jason to say we've all been committed, um, and we are currently, uh, we may have to pause for a moment when uh, when medicine is uh, when, when our prescriptions are handed out to us. Yeah, uh, as we I can't shuffle, wait for that. As we shuffle up to the window. Uh, <laughs> Give me the good stuff. Give me yeah. the good stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so, 1975's One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So, um, where to begin with this? Um, I um, didn't really know about this movie until I was about 12 years old. Or so. Now I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but in 1989 there was this little movie called Batman, uh-huh. uh, and it had this guy in it named Jack Nicholson. Now I know, I know these are all you know pretty pretty deep cuts here, guys, but um, he played this character named the Joker, and I fucking loved every minute of that movie, and especially Jack Nicholson playing the Joker. Um, and it, it was one of those things where it's, I knew who Jack Nicholson was. Everybody knew who freaking Jack Nicholson was. But after that, I was like, I want to see every movie he has ever made. And I think I got pretty damn close <laughs> in the 12 months following the release of Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, but One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, I mean, as good as Chinatown is, as good as The Last Detail is, as good as Easy Rider is, um, and as good as The Shining is, which is probably where I knew him best from as a kid. Right. Um, one Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest is one of the most haunting and um, maybe life-changing movies I've ever seen in my life. Huh. Um, even as a young kid, I could grasp what the movie was saying and grasping how it uh, deals with people who are a little bit different. And uh, it's, it's not great people. It's not great how the world deals with (laughs) different types of people. Right. Um, And I realized that early on. And I realized the value of there being somebody willing to rattle the cage a little bit, if you will. And the value of the lip service of, of standing up with that person versus actually doing something with that person. Um, and I realized that at a pretty young age, um, I don't know. I don't know exactly where some of that comes from, but, um, well, I'm sure we'll dig a little bit deeper into that, but, um, this movie to this day 
still affects me in ways that every time I watch it, I'm surprised that it still affects me as deeply as it does. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into more of that too, but, uh, but I'm going to, um, I'm going to, um, what do they say? Um, how, what do they say when they, when they give up the floor? Um, are you deferring to someone, Jeff? I'm, defer- I'm going to defer to somebody. And Chuck, you, you stepped up. So, Jason, why don't you uh, go ahead and take it from me? <laughs> um, well, that's very effusive. Um, I did not realize that, I don't think, about you, Jeff. Um, I, think I, I, I will admit that I, uh, this is you, mo- you guys mostly know me as the guy who fucking salivates at the idea of a, of a new Marvel movie uh, yeah, who, yeah. you know, goes <laughs> to great lengths to uh, even scar my flesh for the 007 franchise. You know, it's, um, it, this one's a little bit more personal to me. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I like this movie. I think it's, I think it's kind of impossible not to, unless you're Ken Casey um, to like this movie. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, to me, I do remember seeing this at a young age. I do remember being disturbed by it. I do remember kind of, you know, understanding that there's something wrong with how we treat people that we don't understand uh, in society or that we don't know, that we perceive that we maybe have this, this, um, this perceived uh, self-importance of we need to make them more like normal and what that means to, to them and how subjective that is. Right. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I definitely, I, I mean, we'll get into the ending obviously and how much that disturbed me definitely as a child. Um, it was kind of the first time I'd ever really seen um, or understood the idea that, that a solution like that could be medically plausible not plausible but medically approved right not just approved like held to high regard for a long time yeah nobel prize winning yeah that was that was pretty eye-opening when i when i first saw this movie um i think uh it's an odd movie in a lot of ways it's i think very much of its time in the sense that it's um like we talked about a little bit last week where it's not really a traditional narrative. It's a lot more about what it's trying to say and the characters that it's built around. Um, you don't get a lot of character driven movies like this anymore. Um, you really don't. It's, it is very unconventional. It feels very much a part of the counterculture of the time as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also just, out of new Hollywood too. Yes, that as well. Um, and not just because of the Ken Casey and Jack Nicholson involvement. It just feels, yeah, like very much like there's a, we're trying to shake up societal norms with this movie and, uh, and shine a light on some things. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a wonderful movie. It is. And it, it infuriates me every time I see it. It makes me <laughs> fucking angry. So, yeah, there's that. So for me, Chuck. for me, yeah, is <laughs> yeah, finally we'll get to you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, somebody defer to me already, damn it. Um, so, Jeff, tell us more about what you like about what. 
<laughs> you guys are a bunch of nurse ratchets in here. Um, so yeah, the, similar for me. I, I watched this movie very young, um, probably with my father. Um, maybe, maybe on TV. I don't remember exactly where I saw it, but I had a a different reaction to it. I think I latched on to McMurphy's character and Chief, and focused on their successes more than their more than the failure of the system so to speak mm-hmm. um but yeah it, it is it's one of those movies that i had a lot of questions about at the end some of those were kind of answered by the book when i finally read it um which is interesting to know that there is some finality to, in the book to the things you don't really get a clear picture on in the movie. Um, but yeah, I love it. I've always loved it. Um, probably watch it every few years. If I see it on TV or something, I, you know, it's just one of those movies that I'll just keep watching. Um, in my opinion, probably Jack Nicholson's favorite, my favorite performance of his, as much as I love the shining. Um, this has like every great aspect of Jack Nicholson in it. His crazy, the, the, like, he's somewhat endearing in here, like small moments of his endearing. He could, he, as he is, as in as good as it gets or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's the full Jack Nicholson treatment in this movie. And I love it. Yeah. Cause like there are times where, yeah, you're right. He's endearing. He's, um, bucking the system. He's also, um, he gets fucking pissed yep. <laughs> at times in this. Um, you know, yeah, you get the full range. You get the you get the full Nicholson. He's he's uh, def- differential at times where he's like, okay, yeah. maybe I I can play along. Let's see how that goes. You know, he's um, he's sarcastic. He's, he's also an observer at times. Yeah, yeah. Yes. he's he is. He gets he locks into this battle of wills that just becomes uncontrollable for both sides. And, and they both become, I think, their worst selves. And it's a fascinating study. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is, there's a um, – I mean, you could even look at this as a um, – the, you know, how toxic relationships become. You know, I mean, just – in general, and I'm not even talking about like, um, you know, like most of the time you hear about toxic relationships, it comes from like a romantic side of things. But this is, there's toxicity here between a lot of characters and it's never addressed and it only ever gets worse and it's only ever going to get worse. Um, the fact that things didn't really, really like the fact that certain people didn't do certain things sooner <laughs> is right amazing. um yeah. but it's but it's also of its time too i mean this is 1962 1963 is when this takes place um yeah. so yeah. there is still that idea of that uh you know we talked about it last week with uh with blue velvet being kind of a hey you know things are kind of covered in that isn't that nice uh, 1950s sheen you know it's uh this is this is still trying to achieve that as well um with 
um, not great results because this isn't the outside world. This is where people are trying to get answers for the things that they can't talk about in the outside world. And they're still being treated as if they're in the outside world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and then when they're not being treated like it's the outside world, it's um, it becomes even more damaging. Um, so yeah, it's, this is a complicated movie um, because of how the characters are. And, um, you are kind of forced to sympathize with these people. Um, and some of those people you don't really want to sympathize with. Like, I don't really don't want to sympathize with Harding. He's an asshole, <laughs> you know, but at the same time, it's like, um, he obviously has problems and he wants help. But he doesn't know how to ask for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, Tabor is uh one of the few committed people and he's committed because he's a criminal and he acts like a criminal at times particularly in how he antagonizes other people um speaking of Tabor, real quickly this is christopher lloyd's first movie oh that's wow amazing. <laughs> yeah and he yeah. i mean i know you're going through this but the casting in this film is just Oh yeah, yeah. I've got I've got a little bit more about that here in just a minute. Um, I will say that Lloyd is so expressive in this yes, movie. Like, yes. oh, just he's got he, a funny face, man. He's got a funny <laughs> face. Yeah. Um, the things he can do with his eyebrows is bonkers. Um, but then you've got um, yeah. So like this is yeah Christopher Lloyd's first movie. It is uh, William Redfield who played Harding, one of his last movies. He dies the next year from leukemia. Oh wow! Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, so I mean, like you're 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 finding people at the start of their careers and at the end of their careers and at the middle, at their high point of their careers, like Nicholson, um, and you know, like you have a young Danny DeVito um, in this movie too. And uh, so yeah, it's um, the, the God. I love Martini. Sorry. Oh yeah. Well, he's Best. like a little child. Yep. You know, but. Uh, Hit me. <laughs> he's just so excitable um so this blu-ray that i have of one flew of the cuckoo's nest has um talks about like the notable cast people the director um then it has like this notes and like a little bit of a essay on mcmurphy which is nicholson's character but one of the notes in here was um first and foremost uh, this film was filmed in a, a functioning mental hospital. So some of the extras are actually patients huh. um, and their um, caretakers and their, uh, for those who were like, you know, really like almost vegetative, um, they were uh, their caretakers at the hospital or their powers of attorney approved them to be in the film and they all got paid. Um, they actually all got um pretty well paid actually um for being there and and uh, the guy who plays um dr spivey um who i think mcmurphy when he first meets him calls him dr spiffy uh but anyway uh dr S- uh, spivey was the actual doctor at the hospital that they filmed at he was not an actor he was the actual uh head doctor well, he did pretty good for that he did. Um, yeah. And that whole scene where he and McMurphy are talking when McMurphy's first dropped off, that's a very Kubrickian scene. 
It's just shot, reverse shot, very low talking, just exposition on character. <laughs> uh, but there were 1,200 actors that were auditioned uh, before the 17 were selected for their for the speaking roles, wow. uh, the supporting speaking roles. Um, Jack Nicholson was not the first choice. Um, it went through Gene Hackman, Marlon Brando, James Caan, and uh, Foreman's first choice was Burt Reynolds. Uh-huh. Oh, man, could you imagine this movie with Burt Reynolds? Could you imagine his laugh as he's laughing at the crazy? <laughs> he would be one of the crazy people. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, they, they did a perfect job of landing yes. Nicholson. Go ahead, Jason. I, I, I could see it, though. I could see Reynolds in this role. Especially yeah, that in, time, that, in that yeah. time. Yeah, I totally could see it. In that time and doing the basketball <laughs> stuff, like, is so. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, my guess is actually what's probably funny why Burt Reynolds was maybe not available was he was probably working on it at Long Last Love, which is a disaster for him. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, and a disaster for uh, Peter Bogdanovich, too. Um, both behind the scenes uh, in the promotion and during or in the actual movie itself. But uh, anyway, so yeah, I mean, like, this is they had to find the exact right people to play the exact right types of people. And um, Nicholson and uh, Louise Fletcher uh, went and like spent time like hanging out with these people, actually watching an electroshock therapy session, which I can't imagine is easy, Um, which I can't imagine why that still happens today. It doesn't seem to actually do much of anything but i could be wrong um i'm not a doctor by the way guys i don't know if you guys <laughs> not a doctor um but anyway you so, insist on us calling you dr arbuckle then that's weird well you know because every friday i administer enemas yeah that's true <laughs> and I get to be a doctor to do that sometimes crazy anyway well, doctor. Yeah. um i don't know if you have to be a doctor to do it but i i say you do so Just anyway Say what? You we lost you a little bit there. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Anyway, so um, the um, – okay, so – right. So you have all of these characters where you have um, – and you meet them early on just before McMurphy gets uh, dropped off by the correctional uh, – by the state correctional uh, peoples. But you have Harding, who I've already talked about. He's neurotic. Um, he has been, um, kind of emasculated by his wife, but I mean, he is kind of an asshole. So it's like, I, I kind of don't blame her. Um, he thinks very highly of himself. He's very, uh, he uses big words. Um, his, uh, he, he's constantly antagonized by Tabor, who is, uh, who's Christopher Lloyd, who just, just doesn't have any sympathy for people who think so highly of themselves really Uh um and i don't blame them (laughs) sometimes those people need to be fucking put in their place um then you have billy bibbit who's a stutterer who is unclear exactly why he's there um he did have seemingly have a girlfriend that he wanted to marry but nurse ratchet who's uh louise fletcher We've got lots to say about her. 
um, she is friends with Billy's parents. Right. And it seems almost as if Billy's just being um, punished for dating a woman and wanting to marry a woman that his mother had not met or knew anything about. Well, then he tries to kill himself. And then he tried to kill himself over this. But I also feel like it's possible that the girl that Billy was dating maybe was of ill repute, perhaps. I have a feeling that, um, that Billy's mother parents are probably of affluent society. Possibly. They are already, are all probably already exasperated by his stuttering. Yes. And that they probably tried every every terrible trick in the book to get him to stop stuttering, which has probably only made his stuttering worse. So they're already probably there's only one scene in which he does not stutter. Yes. That's really they're important. already probably embarrassed <laughs> by him. Um, and then he, yes, um, I would agree. He's he's fallen in love with with a woman. I would probably guess not someone they would approve of. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, he's 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 a victim of his parents most definitely. Yeah. And um, um, and they've driven him into an insane asylum because they'd rather forget him than than be embarrassed by him. Well, not necessarily forget him, but make him somebody else's problem to fix. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Uh, something right. that, as they would say, something that they would not wear. But but he's also out of out of the picture. Yes. They can live their lives with without him being the specter over it. Yes. Yeah. Um, then you have Martini, who uh, is Chuck's favorite. That's Danny DeVito. Look at Martini. He's awesome. He's he not is, my actual favorite, but he's well, awesome. Sure, but he's – Danny yeah. DeVito, his, the way he smiles in this is so infectious. Well, right. Yes. And like I said, he's like a child. Yeah, the innocence. Like, yeah. Yeah, he is um, probably – I suspect he's retarded. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and that's why he's there. That, <clears throat> That happened a bunch back then. Yeah, for sure. Um, so he's probably mentally handicapped in some way or yeah. autistic or something, but he he presents as a child. Um, Cheswick, he's just a nervous wreck. He is just an absolute nervous wreck, and everything is too much for him to handle. I identify so much with Cheswick. Cheswick would be would be the extreme version of me if my anxiety were, were left unchecked. <laughs> Yikes. Um, yeah, so Chuck, yeah. we better, when, he's he, just, when Jason requests something, we better give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, he's just, oh man, I feel so badly for, for, for Cheswick. Well, the other thing also he's, is, is wound that he's, so, he's wound so tight. Right. And he doesn't <laughs> really fit in with anybody because he wants to be friends with the perceived strong person. Right, like he's almost like the little Chihuahua around the bulldog at times. Yeah, yeah. And hey, boss, when, hey, boss, where are we going? Right, and when Harding presents himself as the guy who's to be followed, he desperately wants to side with him, and then Harding just throws him away in yeah. that first scene, and you know, and it's like then he latches on to, to uh, McMurphy when he shows up. But anyway, so uh, then, uh, like I said, Tabor, he's one of the uh, the committed people. He's got an anger problem for sure, at <laughs> least. and he probably committed a crime because of it. And then the another committed person is Chief, um, and he's uh, – everybody says he's a deaf mute. De- blind, uh, he's deaf and dumb. Um, 
but we get to know more about him and he tells a story about his dad that's mm-hmm. pretty sad and it explains why he's he presents the way he does it explains a lot about what he does too yep. um also interesting to note at this point if you don't mind that in the ken kesey novel um chief was the narrator yes so yeah, you you know from- you know early on in the book that he's not really right. a deaf mute Mm-hmm. which is kind of crucial to a really great scene in this movie that you don't know he's, or that you think he's a deaf mute, but right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Continue. And Sorry. Um, so there's your main cast of characters. There's, there's a uh, Scanlan who's got the big bushy beard. He's one of my favorite guys. Just he's great. Bushy beard. great. Yeah. Oh, and when they're on the fucking boat, it's like the famous Dr. Scanlan and he like nods and like stands up a little straighter. Yeah. Like it kills me. So- you also have Michael Berryman in the background of all this movie. Which is great. <laughs> yes. Well, but you also nobody have... ever interacts with him. <laughs> nope, they also, give him some liquor later. But yeah, they yeah. do. You also have uh, David Price, pitcher for the Boston Red Sox, as yep. Bruce Fred- Frederickson. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> it's a, what? Vincent Schiavelli. I always oh, joke yeah. that that David Price looks like Vincent Schiavelli. <laughs> yeah, I forgot the Vincent. Schiavelli. Then there's, but there's also the other uh, the other guy who I. Th- think was in a bunch of other movies in the 70s um let me see if i can find his name here real quick um uh seafield uh william duel that's chevelli's best friend right yes and i think i think they're lovers too i think so too i get that impression as well yeah Yeah, i think they're lovers and i didn't really realize that until later but there's one point where um i can't remember what scene it is but it's heavily implied that that's well they also have their beds very close together they push them together at the party they push them together that's what it is and um my suspicion is that's why they're there probably maybe yeah Yeah, so um yeah so that's our uh those are the people who are typically in group session it's half of the ward essentially is in groups group session the other half are just you know, like um, like Mancini, he's just shuffling around. He gets tired. That's his main thing. He gets very tired. Um, he he sometimes just wants to go back to bed, but the the goddamn orderlies won't let him. Um, I'm and tired, and it's a lot of baloney. It cracks. It's me a lot of baloney. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, Wait, is, yeah, is it is it is it Mancini the one that uh, that he that Jack gets? Um, Oh my God! Yes. Shoulders, to yes. Yes. and then he wants to walk back to the bench like Banchini. Where the fuck are you going? <laughs> so good, so back good. Over there, back to Chief. <laughs> so good. Um, yeah. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, most of the other people who are not in group session have severe issues. Like they have legitimate issues. Um, a lot of them are, are um, bedridden, or they're invalids, or they're you know, or they're. Uh, got severe mental issues and you can understand they're there for um, real issues. Um, The people in the group meetings, the people that we get to know the most about um, are essentially uh, either there uh, instead of jail or they're there because of, um, well, the, because they can't feel like they can leave because they never really get any help. Uh, and 
that's uh, becomes Letting a very that cat out of the bag awful early. No, you're, you're right. One hundred percent right. But they're you know, and so and that's that becomes the main sticking point of the problem with uh, the system, and and it's the system now that becomes. Um, there are agents of the system and there are the people who are trapped in the system. And that's really what this movie's about. Um, so we meet Randall McMurphy. He gets dropped off by um, just by the correctional facility because um, he won't do his work at the work farm. He's been thrown in jail or he's been at least, um, convicted of something um, not terribly serious as he's when he's asked by dr spivey no it's he, pretty serious it's statutory rape well uh, right but he's been in and out of like right, right. most of the time he that told he's, me she was 18 i mean his, right. his lack of remorse there is really important because it sure. becomes a part of his arc sure i mean the, the what i yes i mean so like the prior to the last time he was thrown in most of the time that he's there or that he's been thrown in jail has been for fighting uh, or fighting and fucking like he fight, he fights and fucks too much. Yeah. Um, so he, um, most of the, cause I think he says there's at least, uh, I can't remember if it's five or eight, uh, but he says five, five, uh, instances of assault, which, indicates that he probably just gets into bar fights and he gets hauled off to the jail for a few weeks and then he's let out and he gets into another fight. And so, um, but yes, the most recent time is statutory rape. He was, it was a 15 year old girl who said she was 18 um, to which he was like, Hey, you said you're 18. So let's party. And it's interesting too. Ken Casey in the book makes him Kesey, Kesey, however you pronounce it, makes him a redhead, which is kind <laughs> of funny, um, because that gives you an immediate impression in the '60s or '70s of what Randall McMurphy is like. Unfortunately, but that's the way people thought about redheads. If that wait, makes wait, sense, explore that a little bit more. I don't, I didn't, I don't know this. You don't know that redheads are joked about well maybe now joked about but prior thought of being violent redheaded stepchilds they always have problems they always hmm. have issues well i knew about redheaded stepchild but um i just whenever i think of redheads i just think it's like oh it's goddamn irish yeah Wait, and maybe what? i mean his last name is mcmurphy so he probably right, right. he probably yeah. was irish yeah yeah so that that probably plays to a lot of drunken brawl fighting you know hooligan yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, his, na- his name and his hair color were supposed to indicate a lot of that. But okay, well, yeah, ahead. no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so anyway, so um, you know, but at the same time, you know, the doctor asks him, "It's like, well, do you think, you know, do you think that there's anything wrong with your with your brain or with the way you think or whatever?" And he he says right up front, "It's like not a damn thing." And you see right out of the gate, he is, he is really trying to um, uh, take advantage of the system. Yep. He knows he doesn't want to go to jail and he doesn't want to do whatever labor that he was assigned to do, which probably was not that hard. Yes. And he also thinks he has to serve his time here and be cleared and he'll go. Right. And that, he that won't will have serve, to... it will be time served. Yes. Right. right. Yeah. And, um, but the the hospital knows 
that he's probably lying and that he's probably just lazy. In fact, uh, one of the one of the uh, people that are reviewing his case is like, yeah, he's just lazy. He's just mm-hmm. a good for nothing, basically. Um, and he's just trying to take us for the ride. Um, so he just thinks he's going to, you know, he'll, he'll spend two months here and he'll walk and everything will be great. Um, there's the second scene in which there's a group meeting. He's watching the patients and he's just kind of taking, he's just taking it all in. You know, he's just taking it all in. And, uh, they start yelling at each other, particularly, uh, Tabor and, um, Harding are yelling at each other. And at first he thinks it's really funny, Uh but by the end of the meeting, he realizes this was maybe a mistake and he may be in over his head because these people, um, one have issues. He just thinks that all these people are drooling idiots and he would just walk around like nothing's wrong. Um, or he thinks he could control them, but he really can't. And, they have some, they have sincere issues and maybe what's more is he gets this first indication that maybe uh, the person they're supposed to talk to the most and take their orders from um, isn't really helping them. She hasn't gone full villain yet, no. but she's, she's forcing people to talk and they may not have anything to talk about, but so what are they there for? What, what are they doing? What's, what's this hospital really doing for them? Right. And, and unfortunately this is um, probably still done today. Um, group sessions, I don't think are particularly great for people who have different problems. <laughs> um, but that's just me. Um, right. I think it's important too, though, to, to note that ratchet, even though she's a villain, she fully believes what she's doing is helping people. Yes, yeah, she's well, she, but she's an agent of the system, though. She is not an evil person. She she says one thing in this movie that I'm like, okay, yeah, that is a maybe one or two, but she's not an evil person. She's just trying to help. She's just not doing it the right way. <laughs> I would I would say that's the case mostly until the end which yes i agree we're, we're i agree there but the well, way I, the way she treats billy is particularly um i mean that's the moment is, is for it's, me yeah yeah it's 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 not helpful and she knows it right she just wants to win this battle of will that she's waging with mcmurphy over billy yeah well, over the, the, the whole, over the whole, over ward. the whole ward, yeah. But yeah. specific, but Billy represents that in that moment, Be- and, yeah. and and she even recognizes that Billy has improved, has has, has he's in a moment where he's actually healthy to some degree, right? Where he he's got his, confidence. He has confidence yeah, in himself. He's, something he's good overcome his stutter. He's got confidence. Correct, and she immediately works to dismantle that, and yeah. that is that is unconscious unconscionable right well i think it begins even earlier than that i agree i agree but but that is that is cementing 
that is cementing that she will never really change. Right. Um, and therefore, because she's the agent of the system, mm -hmm. that the system won't really ever change. Right. Um, there's, there's a quote here in uh, this little essay here. Um, uh, where's it at? But it, basically it's, um, oh, here we go. Uh, talking about McMurphy, he lives to buck the system, but as any anti-authoritarian knows, the system bucks back. Yeah. Right. And boy, does it buck back when you are fighting against it alone. Um, he's, I think he is making an impression on the people that he's in there with, but they are not the people that can fight his fight with him. Right. No, and it's shown pretty early in the world the World Series watching vote. I think it's their third or second meeting yeah. or whatever. Yeah, um, that he thinks he's he's getting through to these people. It's the and third they will session, trust yeah. and yeah, they will trust and follow him in a vote, and he only gets two. Yeah, so that's yeah, that's where I want to go next because yeah, I mean, like this is where I say because beforehand, uh, Nurse Ratchet is not a villain yet. She is the representation of the authority that M McMurphy is anti-authoritarian to, but she is not yet an out-and-out -out villain until this third session. Yeah. He forces Billy the talk, which is difficult for him to do to begin with. Mm -hmm. He's talking about this girl that he loved, and she immediately tears him down for loving her. Mm -hmm. Yep. By bringing up his mother, somebody who's already – um, another problem of his yeah, and the confusion in his face. Like, why are you doing this? Yeah. And, and Randall RP sees it too, where he's like, the fuck are you doing? You know? And like, he is watching her tear down this kid. Um, which by the way, he says one of my favorite things about Billy, um, when he's like basically saying he's like 18 or something like that. And he's like, um, he says basically it's like yeah he's just a kid he should be out bird dogging chicks and banging beaver right say bird dog. <laughs> well that's after he realizes he's he's not committed he's there voluntarily voluntarily right. like, with their right. quote but anyway so he's yeah. um but so he's watching this kid get torn down essentially um and seeing the system work away at this person who's perceived as different, mm -hmm. um, which does also play a part in something the chief says later. Um, but, and so he's realizing it's like, Oh, this fucking bitch is, you know, just basically killing this kid in front of everyone. And, um, uh, uh, they, she's, um, humiliating him right in front of the group in front of people, some of which are not, able to be humiliated um, and she takes advantage of that with him and so at that point i think like already mcmurphy's looking to you know kind of play the system and and you know kind of rattle the cage and rock the boat a little bit or whatever euphemism you want to use but the but it's at that moment that he realizes he has to beat her and he has to he has to get everybody else to support him in this because she is a bad person and that's when he like he i think he almost interrupts and say hey um you know there's this uh, work schedule can we move it to work at night so that we can watch the world series in the day which is uh interesting it's probably 
when I was a kid and I first watched this, I didn't really fully understand that in 1963, well, no, in 1963, most of the games would have been played in the day anyway. Oh, right. Um, and certainly they're in Oregon. So yeah, it's even earlier in the day. It's probably like a, um, um, yeah, it's probably a morning start, late morning start. So, you know, he's just asking this question and he wants everybody to get involved. And it's like, Hey, the world series, doesn't everybody care about this? And he realizes that he's the outsider in this sense. Most people don't give a shit. They're, they're wrapped up in their own problems. They don't care about the world series. And they also have been manipulated into not caring about the right. other stuff that Absolutely. goes on outside. Well, the in, in those first two scenes, and this is critical. They're terrified to, to, yeah. to, to be, do anything contrary to Ratchet's wishes. Well, yeah. Harding at one point says it's, uh, I think he's the one who's like, are you fucking crazy? It's like, yeah. we're not, we can't go up against that. Yeah. Not, not, they don't want to defy the system. Right. Yeah. Which is important for the next scene. Cause he's now realized none of these people are going to stand up for themselves whatsoever. Um, so he's sitting thinking when he wants to be watching the game while a Monopoly game is going on. And we have that other martini thing with the hotel when he keeps putting the hotel on the board. On board yeah, yeah. yeah, and uh, and Harding's like, you do not have a... a <laughs> he's like, hotel. 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 Yeah. hotel. <laughs> like it costs $1,000 for uh, for four houses and another $1,000 for a hotel. You do not have a hotel. On. <laughs> but then he tries to... Well, he shoots them all with water to get them to shut up. Yeah, and then, he's enough. <laughs> yes, but then he's he tries to teach them a lesson by saying, "We can buck this system. I'm going to pick up this fucking sink or whatever yeah, the, the hell that therapy is. The water, water therapy. yeah, yeah the hydrotherapy station. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to throw it through the window. And you know, he gets some good bets, like a twenty-five dollar bet from Harding, who's like, "There's no fucking way. I know you're not going to be able to. As crazy as I am." Um, but he can't do it. And when he walks out, I think this line's really important. He says, well, at least I tried Yeah, to buck because the system. None right, of you are trying. I'm the only one trying. Exactly. Yep. And you, you cannot make change unless you actually try to make change. Right. Um, which, is, which also has, there's a dual meaning to that too, right? Like there's, there's a system fighting and there's also a personal meaning to that. If you really do have problems in your life. You have to try to get better. You have yeah. to try to get better or you will never get better. Um, I mean, there have been so many people I've known in my life where they, they know they have a problem, but they come up with excuses why they can't do anything about it. Like, or they always blame somebody else for or their they blame problem. somebody else and yeah. you know and so it's like well it's them over there that's they're that's preventing them. me from yeah exactly yeah and it's like well you have to at least try to make things better now whether that's a on a global base on a macro or a micro scale doesn't really fucking matter ain't gonna get better on its own <laughs> Um, right. So yeah. So yes, Chuck. That is, is, I'm glad you brought that up because that is a um, well. At least I tried. As he walks away defeated, means more than just the line. Know, yeah. Well, and it means more than than the line. Yeah. And more yeah. than failing, um, because well, well, did you not even try to pick? I mean, you can look at it and say, well, you're not going to be able to lift that. I can look at anything and say, well, I can't lift that. Well, unless I try. Well, I'm never going to know. <laughs> you know? Right. What right. if he? What if it was made out of? What if that marble wasn't really marble and it was just painted fucking plywood? And he just lifts it right up and then throws right. it through the fucking window and leaves. Well, 
Yeah, they didn't know that because they never tried. Right. <laughs> so I'm getting all worked up about this movie, guys. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the next the next scene is the nine nine vote, right? Yes. Yeah. So uh, meeting number four, because meeting number three ends um, with uh, Ratchet just like fuck off, little bug. You know, it's yep. like you're nothing. You 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 didn't even get you only got three votes to, to change it. I don't think it's worth talking about anymore. And she shuts down the whole thing. Right. And, and, and of course, uh, RP is pissed because it's like, Hey guys, come on. You, all this talk about you wanting to do, you know, you wanting to stick it to, to ratchet. Cause they always talk about that ship and they never do anything about it. God damn it. <laughs> I'm fucking pissed. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, Yes, so you're right, Chuck. So the next day, he's like, um, so um, I want to bring this to another vote again because he, now he knows the rules, you know, and now he wants to play by those, well, play by those rules. Uh, and uh, He thinks he can win this time. He so yeah. he can, it's another he game, it's it. another vote. Let's go. Yep. And, um, Doesn't he say at one point that, um, well, it's not even likes, him. Actually, likes a rigged game. Is that? Does he yeah, says later. She likes says a rigged, later. Yeah, he, he says likes a later, a but, game. Yeah. Um, it's not even him that brings it up. It's Cheswick that brings it yeah. up the second day. He's like, isn't, isn't there, there another, another game today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, and, he, and he, he, he lights like, up. Yeah. He lights yeah. up. Yeah, he's like, oh, it's I'm like, breaking through. Right, an idea has lived beyond that day. Yeah, that was originally brought up. So um, that's when she's like, well, I don't really see, but if you want to go ahead and vote, she at least lets them vote because she thinks she's got it won already. Right. Then everybody in the group wins and, and like RP is like, Hey, how about that? Fucking landslide. <laughs> right. She changed the rules again. And she changes the rule. She moves the goalpost. Yep. And she's like, Hey, um, there's nine other people. Yeah, so right now it's just tied, and and you don't have a majority, and uh, so he goes around. <laughs> this kills me. He's trying to get other people to raise their hands. This is when he goes up to uh, Michael Berryman. He's like, and eh. he just looks at him, and he's like, eh, yeah. And, he just, like, plays <laughs> off and how about so, the dancing guy in the background all the time? I love. Him. Oh my god, that guy! That guy is one of my. Fa- he's just living his best life, just dancing. Yeah, he didn't give a shit. <laughs> He doesn't give a shit about nothing. Uh, he even dances with them. It's like, hey, raise your hand. You know. Yep, yep. Um, we just need one more vote. One more vote. Raise your hand. Well, he eventually approaches Chief, and Chief, you know, still playing uh, deaf and mute, um, just kind of looking at him. But he um, he tries and he tries. He's like, just raise your hand because he's already gotten Chief to try to play basketball with him, and he thinks he's breaking through the Chief at least. Um, but he's like, Hey, just raise your hand. Just, you just need one more. Hand. And he's like, ah, fuck it. All of you. And he starts to walk away to find the next person. And the rest of the group is like, Holy shit. Chief's raising his hand. Yeah. You know, and it's like, Hey, and he's like, Holy shit. We got, we got the fucking majority. Well, n- nurse ratchet has closed down the meeting and has uh, decided that there's no more votes allowed. And he is, I mean, this is when he realizes that she does like a rigged rig game. There's, she can always make the rules to change the, the outcome to her needs. Um, which, you know, again, 
compare that to society. If you, you know, if you make enough people uncomfortable and they have enough power, they will change the rules so that no matter how uncomfortable you make, they will take the victory. They'll snatch the victory from you. Right. Um, I want to, oh, sorry. No. And then this is when, this is one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. He then just decides, well, fuck it. I'll just have my own game. And he sits on the uh, and he sits in the on the bench and he looks up at the at the TV that's turned off and he's calling play by play, and all, everybody's gathering around him and they're you know hooting and hollering with him and he's like somebody get me a fucking wiener before my head explodes, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> and uh, you know and he's like calling his own game and that's when he really thinks he's got everybody on his side. He still really doesn't because these people are just enamored with them. They don't really follow him, uh, at least by the majority. Um, they're entertained by him at the best, I would say. Yeah, this is funny. That uh, um, Maybe I'm a bad parent, but this is around the time my kids are 14 and 11 that we all probably would have seen this somewhere in that area, right? Yeah. So I watched it with my kids yesterday or last night, um, and they were both – cheering when chief raised his hands and going chief chief chief, chief. <laughs> and then you know and then the baseball scene happened and they're all like yeah 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 and th- that's the memory i have of this movie those yep. mo- like from when i was a kid like those moments that just made me feel good even well, if these the people yeah and even if these people didn't really understand what they were cheering for or why they were cheering it's the first time a lot of them had a good time in a long time. Cause even when they were playing cards with each other, playing games with each other, they're constantly <laughs> they're bickering, fucking bickering. God they're bickering all the time, but this is a moment and there's a bigger one coming soon, which is fucking wonderful, but oh, where they God. all work together and enjoy something yeah. like, like Jack's or excuse me, um, Max um, methods are working more than the systems methods yeah yeah and, and 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 of course you know that makes the system nervous yes and you can tell in her look man the way she's looking oh, over she is just, like i'm losing the room yeah and, and it's not daggers good. constantly coming from yeah. her eyes like yep. louise fletcher has such fucking ice cold eyes that i can never look at her as anything but a fucking villain oh, even she's, when she's a good guy in fucking um exorcist 2 She's like, so sweet. Oh, villain. <laughs> She's so sweet in Dead Kids. Oh, I love her so much in that movie. But it's like, oh, you're Nurse Ratchet. How is that possible? <laughs> oh, she's also the outside. she's also the lady in Flowers in the Attic. She's scary. Lady. Yeah, she is. Ooh, she's yep. scary in that. Yep. <laughs> some VC Andrews. Just drop some VC Andrews on you. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Middle aged housewife. Boom. Um, no, I, uh, you know, that was one of those movies that like, uh, my mom read that book and it came on yeah, TV. Every mom read that book. Every mom read that book <laughs> and it came on TV. She's like, Ooh, this is a good one. And I watched it. It's like, damn, this is a good one. <laughs> yep. It's pretty good. It's, it's, it's creepy. Good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, no, um, yeah, she's, yeah. She realizes at that point that she has a, she has a bad a nemesis. Now. Yeah. And on top of that, she uses that. And this is, I think this is fucking disgusting. <laughs> because now all the doctors get together. And at one point, all the doctors are talking to him. And, um, you know, he's just kind of 
answering their questions however he would answer the question well they all get back together and it's like oh yeah he's just a lazy asshole who well this is after they get on the boat so you should talk about the boat scene oh yeah 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 yeah. because this is when she finally gets she basically gets to um um to 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 kind of stick the sword in a little bit there's i guess there's two scenes that we really need to talk about um three scenes technically two are very similar first and foremost uh mcmurphy is really 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 interested in chief yes um i don't know if it's somebody that he buddies up to because he thinks he's thinking prison terms he's the biggest guy because it's like at one point it's like god damn you're built like a mountain you know and or if it's just he's just curious about this guy i don't know what what which one it is but um he is uh constantly trying to bring chief in to stuff that's going on and at one point you know he's he's on the basketball court and he want he's thinking it's like well fuck that guy probably pretty good at hoops you know he's pretty big um and by the way will sampson i don't know why he didn't get nominated for an oscar for this i do huh i do you do racism oh yeah but 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 brando sent that one lady up to talk about racism that didn't (laughs) fix it it didn't fix it okay (laughs) but it got fixed for graham green later 15 years later for dances wolf right anyway so um (laughs) so so yeah he's uh Will Sampson's whenever I see a movie and he shows up, it's like, ah, it's chief. Yeah. <laughs> I love chief so much. I love yeah. him. I love him. I love him. Uh, he's uh oh, juicy fruit. Anyway. Juicy. Um, he, but when he, uh, oop, go ahead. No. So like, you know, uh, RP is like, Hey man, get, you know, it's like, put it in the, put it in the hole, you know? And he's, that's when he gets on top of Banchini and it's like, Hey, let me, you know, I'm trying to show you how to, he's almost like fatherly to chief in some ways like he's trying to te- you know trying to show him it's like hey do this um and of course chief just doesn't really do anything he gets a little frustrated but he's not ever mad at chief he's just no like, you know it's like well i tried again it's the idea of i tried anyway you were gonna say chuck i was gonna say I, actually this pairs perfectly because the next scene with chief that i think is important and it leads to the boat scene is when McMurphy has him lift him out of the fenced area. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Give me a boost. Yeah. And he gives him a boost and McMurphy doesn't see this, but when she, when, when he runs away towards the, the bus, chief smiles. Yeah. And he knows exactly first, what he's done. The, it's the first indication that you're like, okay, chief is in there for real. Like there's something more to this yeah. guy. Which for me is always like I love I love that scene when he smiles. I'm like, oh, gee. you know, like yeah, it's like here he comes. Yeah. Yes. Well, so yeah, because there's also a scene where they're actually playing basketball against the orderlies, which I think is and a little later, but yeah, it is a little later, but it's kind of the the culmination of because it's like, hey, chief, just stand here, and when we give you the ball, you put it in the basket. You know, do and- you think? Okay. I'm going to ask a question. I want, I want your take on this. Do you think that Chief um, was in there all the time, or do you think that McMurphy 
helped him emerge again? I think based on what Chief said, and Jeff's jumping in any time, based on what Chief said about his father later in the movie, that he was in there all the time, but, but he was afraid to have his mind taken away from him like his yeah. father did. Yeah. So he didn't react to anything. Um, but I think on a second note that McMurphy did kind of bring him out of his shell against his will almost like he just could not respond to this man who he, for lack of a better term was like, he was falling in love with him as a friend, you know, like he had a very big affection for McMurphy. Well, he Uh, saw him as the guy who could um, make right what the system had beaten out of his father. Right. Yeah. Someone who was on his side. And, and yeah. at that, a white man mm-hmm. wasn't treating him like, you know, because there's that really terrible scene in the beginning where he's trying to get his attention and he's doing the whoa, 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 yeah. Like yeah. stuff to him. And I'm like, oh, man, don't treat Chief like that. Right. Well, but, but that's but a lot of that's over. just the opening part of the arc of, of McMurphy. He's still right. an asshole at that. Yes, point. yes, yeah. yes. But he, yeah. he brings him around. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Jason, I think it's twofold. I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. Yeah. Uh, she was I, so I, used yeah. to not talking and doing anything anymore that it was just perfect. right. Well, he was laying low. I mean, it, you, there are a lot of groups in this country, especially sixty years ago. You don't stick your head too far out of the sand. But no, Chief can't off. buck the system, or he's going to die. But, you do know? You exactly. also, but do you also think that that Chief maybe had received electric thought? electroshock therapy and that was maybe a little bit and obviously drugged a little bit like zapped into he's a little complacent yeah um i electroshock therapy wouldn't put somebody quite into that situation sure uh the drugs probably would but he was also committed i think he was a criminal he obviously can hear and he can talk yeah and he's keeping that under wraps but I also yeah i also wonder how much of it has his lack of vocalization has also kind of become a a self-imposed it's, de- it's definitely oh. self-imposed and here's oh, yeah. i i don't want to bring up the same thing again but the stuff he knows about his father yeah everyone in that system thinks he's deaf and mute yeah so there's nothing they could have done to him to make him that way he right, was that right. way when he walked in yeah it's fair yeah yeah. So it was a personal choice, and whether whether he had done something during that time, I think he just carried that broom around forever and was like, "I'm just going to stay out of the damn way." Yeah. Yep. Um, that's my impression. As long as I, as long as the floor is clean, they can't they can't look at me for nothing. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, in a lot of ways, I mean, all of the orderlies are all black. If you notice that. Yeah. And they're all super scared of the nurses who are all little white women who just happen to, to have their buns tied too tight. Except for yeah. Washington. He's kind of a, well, Washington. Yeah. Washington. He, he will fuck about with some people like, yeah, he's like poking Jack in the, in the pool and everything and like yep. antagonizing him a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, but I mean like, but Washington is the, is the main bulldog. He's the main, he's, he's the, the guy. He's the heavy. He's heavy. He is the heavy. He's the guy that nurse ratchet calls for when shit gets a little out of hand. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a funny thing with him that he says during that basketball game in two moments when they actually do play basketball, the way chief walks end to end after each basket is fucking amazing. Oh God. When he starts, he's just just stoic, but he's, he's, 
I don't know, just the way he walks on the court, I'm just like, I'm all for this dude. Well, he starts to pick <laughs> up the pace a little bit, and he's jogging too, and he's yeah, like, yeah, a little bit, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I then love when, the I love the closing of the net to to like keep to block the ball, the ball. <laughs> yeah. and he pushes and then, it back and out. Pushes yeah. it back out. That leads to a funny line because Washington or one of the other orderlies is like, "That's not right," and I don't know what Murphy says to him, but the orderly says, "You've got to be crazy <laughs> to a bunch of fucking loonies." <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, they are crazy, dude. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh God, every fucking pet name the the Jack has for the group. Is just killer. Oh, like Hard On. Um, yeah, yeah. He calls Harding oh, Hard On. Oh my God! All the shit he gives Harding when he's naming all the people on the fucking boat. And we're getting to that boat scene, but when when he's naming everybody to the to the dock uh, to the harbor uh, master, and he's like, "Yeah, this is Doctor Scanlon, the famous Doctor Scanlon, and the uh, young Doctor uh, Bibbit, and Mister <laughs> Mister Harding." Yep, and it's everybody else is a doctor, but Harding yeah. <laughs> so fucking funny. hates Harding, and Harding is not a it, Harding is a guy that's worthy of your derision. He's an asshole, and I feel that way every time. I, I don't feel sorry for him. I feel sorry for everybody else except for Harding. Well, yeah. He presents himself as an asshole. It's McMurphy's. It's McMurphy's way of saying I'm the alpha. You, you exactly. might have been the alpha before, but I'm but, naming but, you. But even then, Tabor would have said, you know, this guy's a fucking loser. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but Tabor just flies off the handle. So, I mean, it's just it's just awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, it's so great because he looks back at, at McMurphy when he says that. And it's, <laughs> he's just, he's just so, like, dismissive of him. And it's so great, but. So, yeah, so Chief helps uh, uh, McMurphy get out, and uh, he goes over and commandeers a bus. Every, the, the, the inmates, or the inmates, the, the patients go someplace pretty much every day, or at least a supervised thing weekly. Well, he takes control of that and decides to go pick up his girlfriend, Candy. <laughs> Good old Candy. Oh, Candy. Candy's kind of sexy, by the way. Mm-hmm. She's I'm sexy. Not, I'm not. I'm not too opposed to say. It. I love it when she gets on the fucking bus, though. And she's like, "So you're all crazy?" Oh, and, so great. And Cheswick just nods, and she's like, yeah. and she just like, smiles at him. He's furiously nodding at her. Like, yeah, she's just, just like into it. She's like, "Yeah, whatever. Yeah, cool." Yeah. I mean, I've been hanging out with this other loony McMurphy, so why not? Yeah. yeah. She's just like just she like actually likes these people you know it's like almost like she's like the loonies and the criminals feel like a kinship almost yeah you know uh but yeah so they go and um they're gonna go get on this boat and they're gonna go fishing and this comes back early this is a callback to earlier uh the first time he's in the doctor's office and he's like oh that's a hell of a fish yeah so um so yeah so now he's got this bug that he wants to go fishing and uh, he totally just uh, just talks his way into taking a boat out, and uh, he's teaching them how to like you know put the put the little uh, through the eyeballs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they're, just, they're like, ooh, you know, they're just like poking away at it. Um, Christopher Lloyd smells his, and then uh, I forget the other dude's name. Uh, what it, we said it earlier. Oh, um, Vincent, Vincent Chevelli when he's like has the eyeball real close to his face. It's yeah, like, so funny. Yeah, and so but they end up like catching some fish. 
you know, and they come back, and of course, you know, the harbor master has already gotten uh, the police involved, which then got the the doctor to come, and they're waiting for him when they get back. But that whole scene, the fishing scene, I mean, there are times when you see a, a scene in a movie, and you realize this is the this is the scene or this is the sequence why this movie is so highly regarded, and that's it. That's the scene that most everybody is going to remember when they see this movie so much so that they ended up making an entire remake of it for that scene with the dream team. Yeah. yeah. I love the Pretty dream much. team. Yeah. Uh, so it's basically this scene is so iconic that 15 years later, they had to make a whole new movie for it. <laughs> That's funny because in my notes, I wrote down the dream team bus steal. Yep. Like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that movie. And and little sidebar, uh, Keaton playing playing that role is so great as a like a funny man instead of the the tortured. It's, yeah. it's I love that movie for its I guess subversion of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest in a way. Well, I mean, I still think of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest as very comedic. I mean, this is not a this i mean it's got some heavy fucking drama but like any drama worth worth a shit in the 70s it was also pretty funny right <laughs> but the dream <laughs> team is a, a totally funny yes it, yeah, it is I mean. right they and um right they they lean on the comedy for sure and, yeah yeah but uh, but this whole sequence is is a funny um it's it's a it's an uplifting scene you know it's like these people feel free for the first time in a long time another moment where where mcmurphy's therapy is working better than nurse ratchets right and it's like here's here's a situation where they could ask him okay why is it that they like to do these things more with you than do they like to talk in group therapy the, yeah, yeah and the answer would be I, ask him. <laughs> I treat him like people would be right the answer, i was gonna say right? they're not patients to him yeah right yeah they're his friends really right. yeah uh, except for harding <laughs> i think there's a little i, I know what you're saying but i think no, there's yeah. a small kinship between oh yeah, Har- yeah harding and mcmurphy as well well it's it's the it's the alphas but in there i mean but, there's still a kinship there but i think uh, mcmurphy has taken a large weight off of harding's shoulders well, yeah, Harding's assuming, not being fun at anymore. Yeah, he, he assumed his role, so Harding gets to be what he wants, be left alone, yeah. and deal with his own shit, in a way. Right. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that so, seems great. When they come back with the fish, and they're all smiling, and you're like, this is this is the height of their happiness, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, yeah, because things are going to get... Um, Things are going to get bad real soon here. Yeah. So at this point, um, that's when all the doctors get back together and they're like, hey, uh, you know, um, what do we think about him? Well, he's dangerous. Yeah. They they don't say why he's dangerous. That's important. They, they don't even say he's sick. No, he's just dangerous. He's just dangerous. So yeah, dangerous. And, he, well, and he's not, they don't even label him as a criminal either. No, he's right. dangerous to what they're doing or what they're yeah. trying to do, right? And it's the way they they set up that scene. It's like they're talking about him the other way, but in reality, we know how they're really calling him dangerous. Yep. 
yeah, yeah it's 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 code yeah you know, it's it's like uh saying um well the perpetrator well, no we know what you mean by that guys yeah we know what yeah. you mean by that when you report that um yeah. but no and, and it's then it's the same idea yeah and then ratchet they ask her her opinion and she plays the white knight and she's like well i think well, we i can think we can really him. help him yeah but that's but it's all but it's bullshit yeah because it's committing him it's in it's caging him essentially at that point and because of that it's at that point he's like hey 67 days washington i'm out i'm getting the fuck out of here and washington's like yeah right Right. we can keep you here as long as we want as long as we think you're sick you're here with us yep which Which is which in reality yeah yeah, you're sick plen- forever, buddy. Sorry about you. We're gonna punish you yep. forever. Yep. Um, yeah, it's uh, and they get to do that later. Yep. Um, although, um, I, I would say there's extenuating circumstances that lead to that, but it's not the right thing to do still anyway. But um, anyway, so they uh, that's when he has that meeting where it's like, um, so. Uh, what's this about the, and she's like, yeah, you're, you know, and it's like these other people, there are only like five of the 18 people who are committed, like truly committed. Anybody else can walk out whenever they want. And, um, you know, and that's, uh, and he's like, guys, you didn't fucking tell me that if I kept antagonizing her, <laughs> you know, that they right. could be here forever. It's like, fuck you guys. Um, yeah, and that's when he realizes that the system does hit back really hard mm-hmm. because you know these people have been beaten by it, and they they are they like what he brings to the to the dynamic. They like what he is. They they like him, but um, they're too afraid to tell him to stop. Right, and this is really there's a really interesting dynamic here because they start to stand up for themselves. Um, Cheswick wants the cigarettes. Oh my right? God. And this is something I, uh, he never, he never would have done minus McMurphy. Yeah. And McMurphy yeah. has instilled this with in him. And it's ultimately his undoing is helping these people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, and he, and he gets he's like, he's like, yes, yes. You want your cigarettes, but sit the fuck down. Like, he's like, this is not helping anyone, you know, or me. Right. We, we, we need to, yeah. And we need to pick our battles at this point. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. To stop it, we're McMurphy. not playing from a position of power at the moment. Right. Yeah. And to stop it, McMurphy resorts to old McMurphy, which is violence. Yeah. He breaks he the window. Yep. He smashes the window to get the cigarettes, to try and resolve the situation, which is what he's always done. He's always fought. He's always been violent. So some of his growth is in retrograde here or whatever. He's reverted back a little. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I love this scene so much. It's another chief moment where, you know, they all attack McMurphy and chief is like, no, I'm not having any of this shit. So he starts tossing uh, orderlies off. Yes. (laughs) I wish he did a little more tossing. I wish he was a little more. I was like, he's going to throw that dude down the fucking hallway right now. (laughs) But it's so good. It, it, it like totally solidifies that part of me that thought, you know, Chief really likes this man. Mm-hmm. And he goes to bat for him. He puts himself in jeopardy, which is something he's been trying not to do yeah. for however many years he's been there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And that leads to the next bullshit. Yeah. So, um, Chief 
uh, RP and uh, Cheswick. And Cheswick are taken to uh, get a little bit of electroshock therapy. Yeah. Um, to kind of straighten them out. Now, electroshock therapy uh, supposedly actually can help with people um, if they have very specific uh, chemical imbalances. Yes, uh, it's still used um, limitedly to help with um, depression and bipolar disorder. Yeah, not at the voltage that they were using. The voltage is low, yeah, much lower than it used to be. Yeah, I mean, they right. were just zapping the absolute fucking shit out of people. Right. If yeah. somebody had an indeterminate really, really time, bad, really. Mm-hmm. yeah. If it's uh, if if people have really, really bad depression, um, or they have dangerous bipolar depression, mm-hmm. they will. You can get a, a zap. Um, yeah. It's not pleasant, um, yeah. but it can have um, a decent amount of reorganization in yes so there's you can it can go a long way a the little problem bit is it's it's not 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 permanent there's not a cure no. it's just kind of like a it's a short-term uh solution to to really a long-term extreme, problem. Yeah. yeah into really extreme um violent or or depressive behavior yeah yeah and it's probably preferable in some small cases to heavy uh, drugs because the heavy drugs could really, really place you in a different situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas at least you can be normal for a normal for a while um, with a little shock and a day of rest. Um, but the, the amount of drugs that the people who would require this would be um, probably make somebody incapable of doing anything. Yeah. Right. Um, so there's, I mean, so there's a trade off there, right? Like it's, um, there aren't many people who would need it, but yeah, it's like, but like it was so, it was yeah. 10,000 volts or something. And it was used so indiscriminately. And, oh uh, yeah. You know, and, and any before, problem, anything that yeah. wavered. Yeah, these guys acted up. These guys acted up a little bit. We need to zap them. I, I remember, and, and it's probably used as punishment more than anything. I remember the movie. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Any any sort of like aggressive behavior was was meet was met with electroshock therapy. Yeah, aggression were, with aggression. I, I remember the movie. Um, fucking Return to Oz. Remember that movie? Oh yeah, where they give Dorothy electroshock therapy at the beginning. Yeah, little, little baby uh, Fairies of Bulk. Fairies of Bulk. Yeah. It's like that could creep me out. Then it's like, yeah, it's scary. It's a scary <laughs> yeah. idea. Just the the idea of electrifying the brain. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. I mean, yeah. So um, <laughs> uh, McMurphy then kind of comes back and acts, you know, like all like he's been lobotomized by it. But then it's all a joke, and he's yes. like, and now he realize he's had time to think about this. It's like, uh-huh. all right, I'll play your rules but I'm going to find a way to break them. You know, I'm yeah. going to find a way to, to, you know, and basically it's, um, he's essentially going to become a worm 
that's going to be or that's his determination but also getting the fuck out of here important to note too though real quickly that he offered juicy fruit to yes. chief and realizes that he's in there this is great him, chief this is Fold great all. he 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 nudges chief and he he gives him a piece of juicy fruit and chief takes it and he says thank you thank you and he's like um what he wasn't <laughs> sure what he heard. He so wasn't he sure if that really <laughs> happened. So he nudges him again and gives him another. Gives another <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to go back to that because that's like from my yeah, favorite. It's, uh, no, it's, it's really, an really iconic important. moment. Yeah, yeah. And so, and then he's like, hmm, "Juicy fruit." He's like, "Well, I'll be goddamn." He's like, "Goddamn!" And his reaction is so good. There. <laughs> he's like stomping the the floor, and he's like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, uh, yeah. He's. Um, the the two of them together are fucking magical. Yeah. It's like a buddy comedy almost. It, it is. Um, and this is when, so now Chief is like an open book to, yeah. to McMurphy. Still, though, he keeps his secret, though. He Nobody else knows that Chief is there, really. I mean, yeah. there's the basketball game. But there's, I mean, like, he, Chief doesn't talk to anybody else. And he just still just kind of brooms, you know, just... Um, well, I say brooms the floor, but uh, his last name is actually Bromden, which yeah. is like, oh, yeah, the broom is perfect. Anyway, um, <laughs> but, but no, he doesn't tell anybody that the chief actually is all there, but he ha- but they have a plan to escape. And this is when chief talks about his father and, and his father being essentially destroyed by the system mm-hmm. and how, um, you know, it's like it, it's it, in a way, it's kind of a hopeless cause if you're if you're kind of standing against the the tides alone, you know. Well, yeah, he said something like, "When I suck on the when he when he brought the bottle to his lips instead of drinking it in, it was drinking him in, kind yeah. of kind of thing. Like he was being slowly destroyed by everything, right? And he drank because, yeah, you know, life was shit, you know, and yeah. and there was no way to break free from it. Um, so then he, uh, so they, they plan on, uh, they're going to throw a party. <laughs> they're going to throw a party after hours. And then Scatman Crothers, poor Scatman Crothers. He just gets, gets bum rushed. Orderly Turkle. What, well, Turkle. With that name. Sorry. <laughs> Turkle. Well, yeah. you know what's weird about that? I don't, I mean, I don't know. I know this doesn't have anything to do with anything, but I always think that Joe Turkle was in The Shining as um uh floyd right oh yeah interesting and then he but he was orderly turkle you know several years before that in this movie and scamming colors of course is in the shadensis right but yeah i like it turkle yeah, yeah. <laughs> um it might have been more common of a name than than we realized yeah at maybe. one point um or at least to a certain portion of the world or, or the country or whatever but um so he um uh so they're going to basically bribe him with booze um booze money and a woman booze money and a woman all of which um i think is also meant to kind of play up a little bit of a stereotype yeah maybe no i mean really i mean it's uh you know here you have an older black man older than the other orderlies during you know that are more aggressive or at least more um 
frightening to the to the patients um but you know here's a guy it's like well you know he just wants a little drink a little you know a little poontang a little bit of uh you know a little bit of money and uh oh god they fuck him over so bad <laughs> first he gets caught with the woman yeah. um and the old lady, old Biddy, who's the... It's the like, all the supervisors here. Get the fuck back in there. <laughs> Everybody, get the fuck back in the office. <laughs> what do they do to the office? They just destroy, destroy it. Oh, it's totally destroyed. <laughs> there is stains on the wall of how the fuck could they have done I'm that? like, what blood is that? What is that? <laughs> so, did they throw their shit against the wall? Uh, yeah, so they, they fuck up the office. They fuck up the... Uh, but he's like, whatever, just everybody just shut the fuck up, go back to bed or whatever. But by then it's too late. The party has started. The booze is there. Um, they're giving booze to everybody, even the, even the vegetables. And I can't imagine that's a good idea. And um, at this point, it's kind of going away party because at the end of this, they have keys to open the window, the gate in the window. And, uh, McMurphy and Chief and Candy and her friend Rose are going to leave, and they're going to—they're gone. You know, they're—they're they're already gone. It's just they're going to party before they leave. This is when uh, you realize 100% that McMurphy has an affinity for everyone in the room, and specifically someone else. We find out here in a moment, but he could have left a thousand. Yeah. times yeah. and he's like but i want to i want to celebrate with my friends. i want to celebrate with my friends these are my yeah you know we've all been through a thing here yeah. um and so yeah and then uh billy has shown back on the fishing trip that he's he's kind of sweet on the uh, on candy yeah and uh candy's not exactly like you know rebuffing him or anything you know and um so he asks you know, McMurphy is like, so are you going to, you know, marry her and stuff like that? And, uh, he's like, Oh, uh, no, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just, this is my side piece. You know, it's like, whatever, you know, she's, she's, she's my, uh, she's my regular Saturday night thing. Right. Uh, to bring back roadhouse. Um, then she, uh, and he's like, Oh, you, Oh, you've got a thing for her. It's like, uh, Hey, uh, Candy, uh, would you, uh, you know, show this guy a good time or whatever? And of course he's freaking out because he's embarrassed, you know, and everything embarrasses Billy, which is, um, a big, big problem for him as it turns out. Um, but so they, so all the other patients, like, uh, Jack puts Candy in the, in the, in the, the room, <laughs> put him, they put him in Bancini's room because he's got to be. Cause he's got like the, the um, cuffs and stuff to keep him from like rolling out of bed or whatever. Yeah. And when he puts him in the room, it's the, it's the room that's got the bed with the, with the shackles on it. Um, so they put her in the room and all the patients bring Billy to, and it's like, Hey, there you go. Have a good time. Basically locks him in the room <laughs> with, the, right. with the girl. And uh, so, you know, so Rose and uh, McMurphy and chief are just going to basically wait it out. This will probably take a few minutes. This kid's never <laughs> banged Beaver before. You know, right. So don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. Well, <laughs> it's the whole night. <laughs> right. And I love the they way fall they fall asleep. 
Yep. I love the way they hang on Jack Nicholson there for for a good minute almost. Just well, looking he's at him, reflecting. Yeah, looking uh, at him thinking about stuff, and it's the last time we'll really see him that alive. way. Yeah. That way. Yeah. Um, he does have some reactions after, but go ahead. They fall asleep. They and, fall asleep, and uh, uh, the next morning, <laughs> uh, the the orderlies arrive, and the nurses arrive. And the place is a fucking wreck. Yep. And um, they get they get uh, herded, basically. And um, they this like well make sure that because the window's open. The the right. chief and and McMurphy could have left it. Escape time. has been there the whole time. Yep. The whole time. And um, it's it's a it's it's a parallel to all those people who are not committed. They could leave right. at any time, and they just don't, right? Um, for various reasons, but they just don't. Um, and so uh, they realize that Billy is missing, and they find him in the room with the woman. And of course, when he comes out, everybody applauds him. But um, Nurse Ratchet uh, starts to embarrass him and, and starts to uh, belittle him. Before he does that, though, the way he comes out is the most progress we've seen from Billy the entire movie because he was treated like a human. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that the thing that Nurse Ratchet has said is going to ruin him actually seemed to make him better. Yeah, because he's For, like, well, you know what? Fuck off, basically. He has he one stutter. He has he, one he stutter scene. He, he <clears throat> like, he's... However small it may have turned out to be, he made progress. Yeah, in that night, right? Yeah, and and, and it was and it was because of McMurphy. And it was because of McMurphy. And I think this is why. That is why Nurse Ratchet goes full villain at this moment. I sure. still don't see her as a full villain the entire movie. I think a lot of what she does, she thinks she's doing and means well. But well, here is where she's like. Nope. I'm going to tear this kid down in front of you. You are going to reap what you sow, McMurphy. You know, it is what it felt like to me. It's a, the, she cracked at that moment where she hadn't before. Well, I the reason why I say that she was a villain before that is because um there was always a power struggle between those two. Right. And the way that she kept moving goalposts but she was tuning it to McMurphy, who she knew wasn't crazy. But I think she had the right thing in mind for the rest of the patients. I think uh, to a certain degree, I would say that um, I would say that she is a product of that. So again, she's I an agent with that. of the system. I agree with that. I agree with but, that. But that doesn't necessarily just because she thinks she's doing the right thing doesn't necessarily, to me, think that she's. Uh, not a villain like dr doom thinks he's doing the right thing he's a fucking villain though right Right. i mean so like you know so like sometimes you think you're doing the right thing or you're doing um you're doing what you've been taught to do but her complacency or her complicit complicitness to say that yes this is the right thing to do or this is the way that the system says we should do things instead of saying well wait a minute does is that really the right thing or not kind of also makes her a villain yeah i could see that and she so like you were saying she completely tears down billy 
mostly by saying, what if I told your mother, yep. which immediately sends him back to his, his normal state as you, mm-hmm. you would call it. And he is fucking terrified. Yeah. Um, so she's like, no, there's no getting out of this. Cause he keeps saying, well, please don't tell my mother. Right. And it's like, no, there's no, there's nothing I can do for this. And so she locks him in the doctor's office and he kills himself. Yep. And once he does, McMurphy, McMurphy cracks is himself. cracks and he's back to his, he, lo- he loses all of his arc. He goes right. back to square one yep. and he tries to fucking choke a bitch. Well, this, um, is, this is in the book. He like tears off a lot of nurse ratchets clothes. Yeah. In this scene. And humiliates her. Yes. And I think there's something about the way that they do that in this movie that, that feels better. Like it's his rage. You you know, you basically just killed my friend. I'm going to fucking kill you. You reap what you sow. Yes. You reap what you sow. But the humiliation part in the book, I always felt was a bit much. I like this treatment better. But the next moment we get, I have the exact opposite feeling about. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, the uh, so basically, um, McMurphy gets knocked out. Uh, we hang at that point on Nurse Ratchet, choking basically, or like coughing and like getting her breath back. Mm-hmm. Um, and we and nobody comes to help her. No, um, which is interesting because like not the other nurse uh pilbo is the other nurse's name yeah she is not an actress she was in two things she played a nurse in both things mimi sarkeesian <laughs> mimi sarkeesian yeah no. um she uh she doesn't come to help nurse ratchet uh the um the other orderlies don't get her off the ground like they realize you know i think that it was kind of meant to say yeah everybody realizes she's she's a bitch you know, and she kind of had it coming this time, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But um, so they, so we next uh, see um, the uh, the the old guy uh, Seafelt has gone to get a dentist uh, cleaning or something, and he comes back in, and Nurse Ratchet's really sweet, but she's like in her like her uh, like neck she's, brace thingy, neck whatever brace, yeah, yeah, but she. You think maybe she's learned a lesson. Maybe. Um, there's maybe she's learned a lesson. However, I just think the things have gone back to normal. Yeah. Right. Um, but she's actually really sweet to him. It's like, oh, I bet you're going to feel a lot better now that, that you've got your teeth taken care of or whatever. Um, and she smiles. And, you know, I think it's the only time you ever see her smile in the maybe. movie. Um, but, yeah. you know, you know, she, she, she's just, that's the way she sort of started out in the movie. You know that she's, she's a little more this, human. Yeah, like you, 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 when you first meet her in the movie, she feels very, she does feel a bit regimented, a, a bit ordered, but she feel, but she does feel like she's trying to help these people, and mm-hmm. she's very calm, demeanored, and and reasonable, and um, and that just feels to me like it's just she's just put that facade back on her face, right? Mm. Like it's her default, like passive aggressive starting point. Yeah, maybe. I mean, She's definitely I, I passive think, aggressive. Ooh. Yeah. Well, I think that at this point, because I think she has shown now has as she did have a weakness and she's yeah. got that neck brace obviously 
she's taken a loss somewhere. Yeah. Right. Also, her friend's kid is dead. Yeah. Yeah. She's you know. got. She's got to definitely have to um, reevaluate some things. Well, reevaluate things, but also reckon with with the her the parents. Like that'll yeah. that'll need some explaining and how is she going to navigate that conversation right or will it even be her will it just be the doctor right, you know, right. I, I don't know but the um but yeah so the um so there does seem to be at least a question mark there it's like oh maybe she's learned something or maybe she's you know whatever. yeah the cynic but, in me though i don't but the don't cynic in me it. also says it's like no just things have gone back to the way they were right um, that right. doesn't necessarily mean it's better. I mean, it's we like got saying, rid of we got rid of the problem that right. was that was um, attacking the system. Right when you when you fire a cop that that killed a guy who was unarmed, well, okay, things are back to normal now. No, right. not really. You got rid of the problem, but you didn't really root out something to create a solution. You just you you know, yeah, it's. Um, so I, w- I would argue the metaphor would even be more like we, we stopped the protests. Yeah. Now now we can go back to the way things were with, where the systemic problems still exist, but we don't care cause, because it's too hard to fix that. True, true. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's probably a lot better of a, of a analogy, but so um, that, so, you know, red uh, 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 Harding is like, because this Seafelt's um, like, hey, did you hear about McMurphy? And Chief kind of perks up a little bit. He's like, yeah, he escaped. You know, he got free and he, you know, knocked down a an orderly and took off or whatever. And uh, Harding's like, ah, oh, get get fucked. He's up and he's up. You know, he's docile as a. I can't remember what they what he said, but uh, docile as a lamb. He's you know he's upstairs. He's you know. He's yeah. done for. And, uh, you know, Chief, I think, has the realization that, yeah, that's probably true. Uh, and he just kind of goes back to sweeping the floor or whatever. Well, that night, some uh, orderlies bring McMurphy in and they lay him to bed. And so Chief gets up, he gets dressed. He's like, hey, you know, let's, let's go. Let's skedaddle. You know, like, hey, we, we can still make it. And McMurphy's not... Um, not responsive and he realizes that he's got a scar on his forehead which means he was lobotomized and uh he decides that he can't let him see his friend basically live his life out as this vegetable and so he smothers him it's twofold right he 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 smothers him so he can take his spirit with him yep it's like a native american thing he's like i'm gonna release you and you are going to come with me yeah you're coming Um, with me yeah you're um right exactly and he is a mercy mercy killing yeah sorry yeah and so he then takes uh he takes he he takes the the water the hydrotherapy station he lifts it no problem because he's built like a goddamn mountain what a heroic <laughs> a heroic scene this is it's so great yeah. oh yeah and he just smashes he he walks from wherever the fuck that is to the to wherever the fuck they sleep and then smashes through the window and tabers like fuck yeah, yeah that Tabor, guy's got it yep yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. yelling. Yeah, yeah, and and Chief's just running off into the you know running off into the into the horizon, and he's free as is McMurphy. 
it's a beautiful ending and here is my problem with it okay. and i think what kesey had a problem with it, it's almost hinted slightly that mcmurphy might have still been in there the way he struggles against getting killed yes yeah, so that's a good point um lobotomy was not meant is not a permanent uh technically is not a permanent incapacitation for everybody who it's done to right but the way that kesey wrote it i believe it was supposed to be read as permanent the way the movie did it they read it as maybe mcmurphy was still in there and chief killed him chief is supposed to be very heroic i think at the end of this but yeah. leaving that little bit of doubt is kind of a disservice to chief i don't I know i don't think i i thought that that there was anything left in there are you saying because he struggled the way he struggled and he was trying to say something it sounded like he was like was rrr, 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 rrr. I, I, to me to me that's just a and maybe it's reflex a yeah like he, he was struggling for air and he was he was kicking his feet because you're you're taking life out of someone that's just i don't know a, if you were completely brain dead if you do that i don't know well uh i think there would be a natural he's maybe not paralyzed but yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the thing is with the uh, lobotomy, because like I was curious, like, okay, well, what exactly? I mean, you always hear about lobotomy. It's always been portrayed as this terrible thing. I mean, like, I watched Planet of the Apes. That didn't look to be no fucking good for that one astronaut. <laughs> um, and this certainly doesn't end too well for McMurphy. Um, so, and yes, uh, lobotomy more or less resets somebody back to a childlike demeanor but they can be retaught things the mm -hmm. problem was and the reason why uh it became something that is more or less banned now is that a that while that does happen for a percentage of people that percentage is exceptionally small yeah. most people it's um well they they end up killing themselves and they get worse um because they are introduced to new problems um and they never can figure out why they feel the way that they do and so they kill themselves mm -hmm. so um there's been a lot of uh over the last few years there's been a lot of requests that the nobel society uh -huh. i've read that the yeah. uh, prize that was given to that in the 40s so i yeah. find it interesting that it was first banned by the ussr in 1950 really Yep. Hey, score one for the USSR, I guess. The fucking red commies. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, no. So it was contrary to the principles of humanity. Well, it kind of is. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, again, it's the idea of, you know, I feel like we went through a pretty significant time, in which case, to a certain extent, some areas still feel this, but I feel like in our society, we, we always want um, humanity to be shaped into something that it really isn't. Uh -huh. um, we want everybody to be normal, but what is normal? It's different for different people. Right. And that's what always affected me about this movie is that, um, you know, here's somebody that we really shouldn't like in McMurphy, right? But he treats people like people. <laughs> What's so wrong with that? Why can't, you know, why can't the other 
so-called professionals do the same thing. And that's, that's what's always stuck with me with this. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, and also uh, the other thing about that ending that everything's gone back to normal is that once again, Harding is leading that, that card game, right? Yeah. where it was suspended because McMurphy won everybody's cigarettes <laughs> and money. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, uh, but now that he's now that that problem has been, well, literally cut out. Yeah. Then everything has returned to quote unquote normal and Harding's back, you know, telling people that he thinks they're stupid. <laughs> um, no, there is some uh, kind of interesting behind the scenes stuff here. Uh, just a couple of notes left that uh, the original person to ever play Randall McMurphy. Oh, it was Kirk. It was Kirk, was Kirk Douglas yeah. uh, in the early sixties, about a year after the novel came out. Um, and he was like big, big, big on it. Yeah. And he held um, the movie rights, didn't he? He ended up getting the movie rights, which he eventually sold to his son. Yep. And Michael Douglas won his first Oscar for producing this movie. And made a lot of money too and made a shit ton of money. Like everything that Michael Douglas is probably today is because of this movie. Yeah. Probably. Um, because at the time, while this movie was out and he's winning an Oscar for producing it, he's on TV with Carl Malden on the streets of San Francisco. He's just a TV actor and the son yeah. of another really good actor. But um, yeah, so this is, um, and originally, the first screenwriter was the one who introduced Douglas to Milos Foreman. And uh, Foreman came along, and it's like he had some, some fucking ideas. Like he compared uh, Nurse Ratched to the Communist Party, and uh -huh, being, yeah, you know, being held down by that. And uh -huh. um, so, yeah. And um, this movie. Um, the fact that it, I mean, this is one of only three movies that won what they call the five most important Oscars, best picture, best director, best actor, best actress, and best screenplay. Those are the, the last five every Oscar night, right? Yeah. Um, they, uh, the only other movie before this to do it was it happened one night. Huh. Uh, Frank Capra. Frank, Frank Capra. Right. And I believe is that, is it happened one night actually a uh, Shakespeare adaptation? Maybe? Uh, I'm not sure. Or theme thematically adaptation. Anyway, not sure. Um, the uh, I could be wrong on that, but anyway, um, the fact that that uh, Cuckoo's Nest pulled off the same feat is pretty significant compared to its competition. The other Best Picture nominees were Barry Lyndon. Hmm. which while most people will say is pretty damn boring of a movie is maybe technically the very best movie that, that Kubrick ever made. That movie is gorgeous. Yeah, exactly. Ken Adam also, he didn't, he was not available for, uh, um, or he, uh, that was one of the movies that he made with Kubrick because, uh, Kubrick loved his work with, uh, Dr. No. Mm -hmm. so he did the following year he did he didn't do from Russia with love he did dr strange love and then later worked with him again for barry Lyndon. Oh, yeah and, and Lyndon, Lyndon did win um barry Lyndon won best cinematography that year yeah you know 
Yeah. Um, and then dog day afternoon. So you already Nicholson's up against Pacino at this point. Mm-hmm. That's tough with that movie. Mm-hmm. Then you had Jaws. Huh. And then Nashville. Oh, so yeah. Foreman had to go up against Altman. Yep. So the fact that it was able to pull off all five with that heavy of competition was um, surprising. And also considering that there were several of the pre-Oscar awards that Louise Fletcher won for Best Supporting Actress, not for Best Actress. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. So it was, it was a, uh, a difficult road to get to all five, um, but they, he, they did it. <laughs> There's, a, there's an interesting factoid on um, the uh, cinematographer, Haxel Wexler, um, which I've always loved that name, Haxel Wexler. He is, <laughs> he is an absolute product of the counterculture, this guy. He also uh, directed and wrote a movie called Medium Cool in 1969, which is kind of like a landmark counterculture film. But, I mean, he shot films like In the Heat of Night, um, uh, American Graffiti. He was he was a visual consultant on that. He shot um, Days of Heaven for uh, Michael Cimino, which is a pretty pretty wild story in and of itself. Um, but he wait, he was days, days of wait Days of Heaven. You're you talking oh, about yeah, I'm, get, I'm getting I'm, I'm getting uh, I'm getting that with um, Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate. Yeah, Terrence Malick was Days of Heaven. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Well, still though, Terrence yeah. Malick is a is a hoity-toity. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. so that's a beautifully shot film. Oh my goodness, <laughs> Days of Heaven. Yeah, totally getting that mixed up. Thank you. Um, Save me there. But uh, he got fired by Milos Forman, um, <laughs> which is it's weird. He got fired off of one, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Although um, Wexler claims that he shot like ninety eight percent of what ended up on screen. Um, and it, there's, there's some, there's some, uh, Wexler thinks that he got fired because of his involvement with the documentary, the underground, which was about the weather underground, the, uh, the revolutionary. Group. Oh yeah. Um, kind of a domestic terrorist group, um, which are a fascinating story in of itself. I mean, talk about counterculture that was that he was interviewing members of the weather underground while they were fugitives from the law which is fucking badass, like, holy <laughs> shit. Uh, so there was some speculation that he was maybe bad for publicity, so they kicked him off, but he, he still got the joint um, nomination and credit for, for cinematography. Hmm. Um, I, the music to this movie is also mm, super yeah. haunting. Yeah, Jack Nikski. Yeah, and he uh, – it, it was – uh, the the main theme is played on a uh, bent saw mm-hmm. and a wine glass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the, I don't think you can get any more minimalist than that. Yeah, he's a fascinating guy. He's a he's a Phil Spector guy. Um, oh, Jet Nieski. He's he's partially responsible for the wall of sound. Hmm. Yep. No, I um, yeah, I don't. I mean. What I've been talking most of this episode. <laughs> what do you guys got to to bring this to a close? I think Chuck and I did carry this. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as requested. <laughs> oh wow, Nitsky also um, did the score for The Exorcist. Yes. Did not know that. I mean, obviously he didn't do. Um, Tubular bells. Uh, yeah, right. But 
the guy who uh, did tubular bells that's an interesting story too mike goldfield yeah yeah he yeah. has ridden that for the last 47 years oh yeah he's probably rich beyond belief on that tubular but bell. he keeps like remixing it and like redoing it and like yeah it's uh, i've heard some stories about <laughs> him it's bizarre. fascinating yeah. yeah that's one of my favorite like horror movie Things. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Like Perfection. you hear, you immediately think of like, oh, some spooky devil shit. It, and it's been, it's been, you know, kind of recreated and pastiched so many times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I mean, I would a, even say that Halloween is a pastiche. Oh sure. Yeah. And the, another one of my favorites. Um, I did some searching while you guys were talking there. I can't find Ken Kesey's specific problem with this movie anywhere, other than he didn't like it. So I'm not sure. It. He never saw it, but he knew the story, right? He knew what. Um, they well, told. he knew what was changed, and he yeah. said, "I, I there will was never a lawsuit watch it over it." Yeah, yeah. And yeah. to his dying day, he kept that promise. Yeah. He never watched yeah. it. So whatever, whatever Stephen King's got against The Shining, he ain't got nothing on Ken Kesey. <laughs> Stephen King has some legitimate shit against The Shining. <laughs> We could talk too long about that. King has really kind of come around too. He's made peace with it a little bit, a little bit, but his gripes were legitimate. As great a movie as as The Shining is, it's his artwork that was changed. So whatever. Um, But to end it for me, I just love this movie. Um, I love that Chief, the Chief character, has done so well. Um, He's a paranoid schizophrenic in the book. Uh-huh. which doesn't really come across here. Um, but the book does a better job of showing that he is healed a lot and had an arc that he, he had a smaller, a much smaller arc in this movie, but it's just, I just love it. Yeah. I guess that's all I want to say. I just love it. Okay. Jason. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't really have anything I mean, to add. You recommend it. I mean, that's Oh, I don't know. I have to think. About <laughs> <that>. <laughs> it Here had been, a, it'd been a long time since I'd seen it. And it was, um, it was really, really enjoyable and infuriating in all the same ways that, that I remember it. Um, when it you definitely, say infuriating, I, I want to clear that up too, because well, I, I know what you mean. It's infuriating not, because of the, 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 the that justice isn't really done right that um, it's frustrating because the system does punch the, back the villain is so is so passive aggressive um and infuriating right she's just and yeah they're the chief chief gets away but but really you know the drum beats on yeah. and uh and it's just and, and that's in the, that's in the music too at the end mm-hmm. it is yeah yeah so yeah, so I don't really. Um, I mean, gosh, this this whole month, <laughs> boy, we've good month. we've really we have really touched upon some some themes here. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you know, I think at this point, I think next month we should um, should we get get super. Yeah, you know what? I I think I need to be proven once again that uh, or that or I need to be. Um, Justified in my belief that a man can fly. I, I was going to say, I need to I need to know that a man can fly. Yep. yep. From one hero to another, from chief to Superman, from an anti-hero in R.P. McMurphy to a doesn't get much more summary hero. than Superman, does it? Yeah. Which Which Superman movies are we doing, by the way? Superman. All one, of them. Two, three, four, 
Superman Returns. Fuck those more recent. Well, ones. not all of them. I, yes, they, those don't exist. <laughs> Man of Steel angers me. Um, Batman versus Superman is. Although four is just. Whoa. No, you know what? It's fun as fuck though. Shut up. It is No, that's three. No, that's three. Three, oh, three. Is, three, three is, is fun, fun too. Three is bad, but it's fun. Oh. It's bad, but it's fun. The, three and four, I think, are some of the most fun bad movies that anybody could watch. I, it's been one and so two are two of I've the best. Yeah, but but one and two are two of the best superhero movies ever made. Like pure superhero movies. Uh, we get to talk about canon films too when we talk about four, so that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Well, we've always always films. enjoy talking about canon. Films. Well, yeah, I was gonna say it's just returning the canon films. Yep. First time since. Delta Force. Delta Force. Yeah. So we're going to do Talk the Return of Superman and the Return of Canon Films. Yes, <laughs> I'd, love, I'd love to sing a new song. It'll be oh, something like, we, Superman, we... Superman does whatever a super can. <laughs> Flies real high in the sky, does some stuff, punches guys. Watch out, here comes a Superman. <laughs> well, you can't top You've that. You, and you just wrote that on the film. <laughs> 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 I should just take that for all of uh, for all of our episodes here. <laughs> oh god, that was perfect. Um, so yeah, so Super September, we are we called a film seizure audible. We did, and we have um, uh, gone away from sexy September. Um, we've talked about doing a naughty November, but um, some of the movies we picked would fit that but maybe something we shouldn't do uh, yeah. <laughs> all things considered uh we had some rude like what our original lineup for sexy september was was dude pretty much like if there's anything in between softcore pornography and hardcore pornography we did it uh, we, we, uh, found we would need we would need a month that begins with R for a raunchy rocktober. I watched one of the films we planned was Paprika, Tito Brass's Paprika, and I watched it just recently. And oh my god, oh my god, it is not softcore porn. It is, it is, it is just bordering on hardcore pornography. Like there is. There, every single kink you can imagine is that there's water sports in that movie like it is water it is. sports <laughs> <laughs> well it's not a hockey movie nope <laughs> not a hockey movie there it is something else man i couldn't believe it. i was like yeah there's no fucking way we could have talked about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're so we're retooling that in the yeah. meantime we're gonna watch all the superman movies instead so um yeah so come back here for that um hey and that happens on wednesdays by the way guys did you guys know that i did Wednesdays what happens yeah new episodes of film seizure what about mondays mondays are new episodes of monster mondays with me three things you love right yeah and saturday three things i like about monster movie yeah even if monster movies poop yeah saturday reminds me i need to do monster i'll get around to that anyway Saturday, what Jeff. What's, What's on Saturday? Saturdays? Saturdays is 00 Saturdays. Yes. Uh, James Bond essay by me. And then Fridays, you can hop over to my other website, bmovieanima.com. Um, we got we got stuff happening over there. For uh, Monster Mondays, this, uh, this upcoming Monday, it is um, Shivers. 
David Cronenberg shivers. Yes, mm. he is. And then over at uh, B Movie Anima on August 28th, Penitentiary. Ah, uh, all right. That's a good flick. That's a good flick. So, anyway. Does that one have Mr. T in it? Is he in the second one? No, I don't think he's in either the first or the second one. I think maybe in the third one. I thought he was in the second one. That could be wrong. Um, I I could be wrong on that, but I, he might be in the third one. He's definitely not in the first one. Okay. Any of the fool that don't know which movie he's in. <laughs> um, yeah, that the Penitentiary is a really really good movie. I'm I'm glad I I, I got to say some things there too. So cool. anyway, check that out. All those places uh, you can find Film Seizure at SoundCloud, at uh, Google uh, Podcast, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify. Did I leave any of my, I don't know. I may have eh, left some on my Lots of places. Lots of places. Just, you know, just go over to filmseizure.com. Yeah. Our stuff's there. Go into Facebook and Twitter. Follow us at face uh, at, uh, at the Facebooks. And uh, just go type in the Facebooks. On the Googles. On, on the, the Googles. Googles. On the yeah, Googles. On the Googles. We got, we got stuff there. Uh, no, at, at Film Seizure, both uh, Twitter and, uh, film, and, uh, and, and the film books. Um, and the face twits. Uh, so, uh, yeah, until next week when we uh, launch ourselves into the stratosphere of um, Superman business. I am Jeff Arbuckle. I'm Chuck Moore. I'm Jason Oliver. And you have been listening to Film Seizure.